What's up, everybody? This is Eddie Sanchez, the creator of The Bad Promoter, recording out of Brooklyn, New York. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen today. This has been a long time coming. Also, I want to give a shout out to everyone who keeps up with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Bad Promoter. Now, before we talk about the current status of boxing, uh, the drink of the day is Ornitos Tequila. That's what I'm sipping on, and every pod going forward, I'll let you know what's good. All right, so who went out there and checked out the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. fight last week? Well, actually, as it turns out, 1.2 million individual pay-per-view sales were sold in America. And for reference, this is the same amount of buys that Wilder versus Fury 2 had back in February. So this was a huge, huge, huge success financially. And of course, that came from the big-time hype leading up to the action, but once they stepped into the ring... Uh, There wasn't really much of it. Mike Tyson came forward, and when he threw some punches, you know, those body shots were definitely felt. You can see Roy Jones Jr. He was holding back a little bit. He was jabbing and moving, trying to stay away from Mike Tyson's body shots, which it seems like that's all Mike Tyson agreed to do because we didn't really see any action towards Roy Jones' head. But even given the fact that it was just body shots, Roy Jones Jr. clenched a lot, threw some jabs, but didn't really bring any action forward to the fight. And Mike Tyson was content coming forward, throwing a body shot maybe every 20, 30 seconds, getting in a clinch, getting out of a clinch, and then just going from there and went the distance. So while there wasn't much action, it's clear that that's not really what people tuned into the fight to see. Of course they wanted to see a knockout. Of course they wanted to see some blood. But at the end of the day, everyone just wanted to see the great Mike Tyson. They wanted to see the guy he is right now in 2020, not the guy he was for about a decade after his brutal defeats back in 2005. Yeah, there's a little bit to complain about, but we can't really blame him. But the one positive, positive, positive thing from this card is that Jake Paul, you know, the YouTuber, he actually might be the next boxing star. Now, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's gonna go out there and fight the best of the best. He's gonna compete for championships, no. Not at all. But his brutal knockout of Nate Robinson provided memes galore on Twitter. He was all of the talk. Scroll through your feed, all you can see was Nate Robinson laying down on the canvas head first. Jake Paul's post-fight interview calling out Conor McGregor. That's, that's That's all we got from that fight, which honestly is a good thing because without that, there would have been a lot more complaining from boxing fans. And honestly, let's be, let's be real. Boxing, they need the juice when they can get it. Boxing will need to embrace Jake Paul. They'll need to embrace these unconventional matches where maybe MMA fighters, non-traditional celebrities, like say from YouTube, from TV, music stars, come into the ring and just lead to financial success in terms of pay-per-view buys because that's going to be the only way that up-and-comers that don't have the ability to be on an undercard for a Canelo Alvarez, don't have the ability to be on an undercard of a Manny Pacquiao, these other boxers will get this opportunity on an undercard for a Jake Paul versus, say, I don't know, another YouTuber who really knows who those guys are nowadays. But anyway, boxing, they'll take what they can get, and that was something that the industry should generally be proud of because even when they have accomplished stars, they're not really giving them the clout that they deserve. Let's be honest, the most accomplished current female boxer, Clarissa Shields, she just signed with the PFL. 
she's going to the other sport in the MMA. And what boxing fans are soon going to realize is that the MMA fan base is far more supportive to their female athletes than boxing fans generally have been. Clarissa Shields has damn near every belt in the sport, and you know there there are quite a few. And having said that, what do people say about her? You talk to a diehard and they'll tell you everything about her, but you talk to the common fan, they will have no idea who they are. And yeah, the PFL is an upcoming uh, MMA brand, but she'll get her shine in there. She'll put in work, and uh, maybe one day her star will grow to the point where she's leading a card in the PFL. Because let's be honest, how many pay-per-view, non-pay-per-view, cable, regular television cards have been headlined by female boxers? I mean, we see the pay-per-view pudding with the UFC and Bellator. We've seen the Chris Cyborgs, the Amanda Nunez, the Ronda Rouseys headline top-selling pay-per-view cards in the past. We just have not seen that in boxing. So it's honestly a little, it's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame that Clarissa Shields is gone but that's just the test of the time. That's, that's where boxing is at the moment. We're not giving the proper shine to uh, accomplished stars like Clarissa Shields. I mean, we're at a time where a YouTuber, Jake Paul, and an ex-NBA player, Nate Robinson, are the co-main event of a pay-per-view which sold 1.2 million buys. That's just where the sport is, at least for the most part right now. And it's a little sad, but, you know, we just gotta deal with what we gotta deal with and go from there. All right, all right, everyone. Let's put our pitchforks down for the moment. Not everything in the boxing industry is bad. I mean, tomorrow night, we have Errol Spence Jr. returning to the ring to face Danny Garcia, which should be a tremendous fight. There will be about 11,000 fans in attendance, which will probably be the best thing for Earl Spence Jr. Because let's not forget, this is his return from that horrific car accident about a year ago. He was ejected from his car going down the Dallas freeway, 100 plus miles per hour, no seatbelt, flew out the window, somehow did not break any bones, had some lacerations on his face, some bruising on his body, but generally was able to quote unquote walk away from that unscathed. We're going to be able to see for the first time Errol Spence Jr. in the ring in a championship bout with a formidable opponent, and we're going to see how he's able to take those punches. And with the crowd in attendance, he's going to be able to feed off that. Because let's also not forget, he's a Texas native. The people that are paying for that fight, those are going to be generally or should generally be his fans. So he's going to be fighting in his own backyard. He's going to feel comfortable. His team is going to pump him up. He's gonna go in there and be as mentally ready as you can ask for someone who is in a horrific, horrific accident. But despite all the positives that he can look forward to, let's not forget that Danny Garcia is one tough guy. Danny Garcia is gonna come forward probably right out the gate and try to apply as much pressure as possible just to test where Errol Spence's head is at the moment. And he's gonna come out and bob a little bit, weave a little bit, hopefully not too much, and just try to apply as much pressure as possible. He'll probably be willing to eat a few punches coming in right out the gate and come forward with a lead left hook to the head, a lead left hook to the body, test where Errol Spence's movement is at, see how he's reacting to some pressure, see if he's ready to absorb that or if he's just gonna jab and move, jab and move, jab and move. Because if you see a grimace from him, maybe not in the first one, maybe not in the second one, but 10, 15, 20 down into the fight, because I don't see this fight ending early. Danny Garcia, he's only lost twice in his career to Sean Porter and Keith Thurman, two former champions, two excellent, excellent fighters. He's not gonna go down laying on the canvas. So we're going to be able to see a fight going probably the distance. We're going to see a lot of adjustments being made. And we're going to see just how Errol Spence is taking that punishment. 
For boxing's sake, I hope Errol Spence goes out there fully confident, takes that punch on the chin, takes that punch to the body, comes forward, and throws one right back. Because what boxing needs to look forward to right now is a match with Errol Spence Jr. versus Manny Pacquiao to unify three belts, or better yet, a fight with Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. But as I've mentioned in my articles in the past on thebadpromoter.com, we can't really expect a fight between Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr even with a victory against Danny Garcia. We can't expect that to be at least until another calendar year because Terrence Crawford and just with the politics of boxing has about two more fights on his contract with top rank. Bob Arum, the head promoter of Top Rank, he's not really buddy-buddy with Al Heyman, the advisor and owner of the Premier Boxing Champions, which is the banner that Errol Spence is under. They're not good friends. They don't like working together. They will, if push comes to shove. I mean, look at Manny Pacquiao with Floyd Mather. How many years did that take, though? That We don't really have that kind of time. Boxing, just the way the landscape is and the star status, or rather lack thereof, for a guy like Terrence Crawford right now, boxing fans aren't going to want to wait to see that fight years and years and years down the line. But fortunately, as I've mentioned, Terrence Crawford has two more fights left on his top-ranked deal. So what we can expect if Errol Spence wins this fight against Danny Garcia, to hopefully come back, fight a Manny Pacquiao, see where that goes. And if he's still standing after that, we'll have Terrence Crawford fulfilling his contract and by the end of 2021 at the earliest or early first quarter of 2022, we'll finally see that fight. Which is unfortunate, honestly, because the politics of boxing always seem to get in the way. But, you know, we don't want to be negative out here. We want to look at the positives and we want to go into this fight feeling positive. So let's all just hope that Errol Spence Jr. goes out there and handles business. And honestly, December is a great time of the year. And the boxing gods, they've finally provided with us some additional star power. And on December 19th, we're finally going to have Canelo Alvarez's return to the ring against Callum Smith. Now, this is going to be an excellent fight. And honestly, it's the one I am most interested in seeing. Because Callum Smith, he's a top, top fighter. Although DeZone didn't seem to think so back when Canelo Alvarez was initially asking for this fight. If you don't know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to the fact that DeZone questioned whether Callum Smith was a star enough boxer for Canelo Alvarez to face in the ring to justify the contract that they had signed with him. That contract, if you don't know, was an 11-fight, $365 million guaranteed purse. They looked at Callum Smith, and even though he is the lineal champion of the super middleweight division, they said, eh, I don't know if that guy is a star boxer enough. But as I have said, the boxing gods have given us a gift to wrap up this 2020, which has, you know, to say the least, been something else. They're giving us a fight with Canelo Alvarez and Callum Smith where we can really be excited. And although the general boxing public, especially the casual fans, they're fully expecting Canelo Alvarez to run through this guy. Callum Smith is one tough dude. And he is extra, extra long. He'll have a six-inch high advantage. And although he's lacking in reach, even though uh, Canelo Alvarez is a half foot shorter, Canelo Alvarez will actually have a three-inch reach advantage which one could argue is tailor-made for him, given his uh, interior body-punching style of fighting. This shouldn't be a Rocky Fielding situation where Canelo Alvarez just goes out there for three rounds and essentially toys with a guy and uh, brutally, brutally knocks him out. 
Callum Smith has gone out there and he's faced some tough guys, most notably John Ryder and George Groves. Uh, he went out there, and although the fight with John Ryder wasn't uh, his best outing, he went out there, handled business, and walked away with a victory. But let's be honest, we're probably entering a situation where Eddie Hearn, Callum Smith's promoter, probably doesn't truly believe that Callum Smith has a chance to beat Canelo Alvarez, uh, the number one or number two pound-for-pound boxer in the world. He probably truly, in the back of his mind, give him a few drinks, a little truth serum, he'll tell you, nah, Callum Smith doesn't have a shot. But he's willing to put his guy out there, he's willing to put his champion out there because he wants to build a strong relationship with Canelo. He wants to rebuild some of the trust that was lost with the ongoing months of Canelo trying to find a new opponent. Because Canelo Alvarez is a free agent. He is not tied to a promoter. His relationship with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions, that's done with. They're no longer going to work together. He hates that guy. And honestly, this is probably the best thing for his career because he's in full control. He can talk to other promoters, get the best of the best from their stables, and just go out there, make some money, build his legacy. He wants to be remembered as an all-time great, one of the best Mexican fighters of all time. And quite honestly, he wants to be remembered as one of the best, period. And Oscar De Hoya, he essentially fumbled the bag with boxing's most lucrative star. If he doesn't act quickly, if he doesn't figure out what he did wrong and learn from his mistakes, he's probably going to end up doing the same thing with Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia is an emerging young talent in the fight game. He is in a stacked lightweight division, 20-0, with 17 wins by way of knockout. He has over 7.5 million followers on Instagram, which is important. That is important because it proves he's able to build a draw. He's able to build a fan base with fans that might turn into casual fans. Fans that like to see him on Instagram, see pictures of him, will eventually, as his star grows in the ring and he gets talked about more on, say, like ESPN, Fox Sports, as he gets more shine, those people that see him on Instagram every day, those people will eventually become paying customers. And those current paying customers, they have a huge gift coming up in early January when Ryan Garcia has his first true test as he takes on Luke Campbell, the rugged veteran who is 20-3 and with 16 wins by way of knockout. He's gone the distance with guys like Jorge Linares and Vasily Lomachenko. And after this fight, we'll be able to see where Ryan Garcia stands in that division with other guys like Tiafimo Lopez, Devin Haney, Vasily Lomachenko, Gervonta Davis. We'll get to see where he fits in with those guys. It'll be in Oscar De La Hoya's best interest to make sure that when we find out that his relationship with Ryan Garcia is solid. Because if it isn't, he's going to end up losing another tough, young Mexican fighter. So if you didn't already know, now you do. Within the next 30 days, we have a ton to look forward to. We have some excellent matchups, and boxing, it's back. Even though last week may have put a poor taste in some people's mouths, whether that was because Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. lacked the action that some people would have wanted, and Jake Paul may have been given too big of a spotlight for some boxing fans' interests, Don't worry, be happy, boxing's here, and we have three exciting matchups over the next calendar month.
Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to me today. This was Eddie Sanchez of The Bad Promoter. Make sure to keep up with us at thebadpromoter.com and follow us on our social accounts at The Bad Promoter.